This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Show on Sunday Thanksgiving weekend. And what a beautiful day it is today. The sun is shining and the temperature is around 45 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's going to be an absolutely gorgeous weekend. I'd like to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving this weekend. A lot of people are uh, celebrating today and tomorrow. The Leafs aren't celebrating, Mark, and uh, either is FC. Mark is in for Wally. Wally's on a trip to Chicago, but we'll be hearing from Wally after the 9.35 break. Toronto FC. Good morning, Naz. It's great to be here again. Um, Before I start crying about uh, my beloved team, uh, I do want to mention that um, we're on Twitter, that our our address on Twitter is at Naz and Wally, and I've, we've already got a few uh, followers showing up this morning. So uh, if you have any questions or comments, we, we can be, you can tweet us. But Toronto FC, it's a case of um, deja vu. Um, years ago, I started a blog, and because of the old CNE Stadium, remember that sort of horrible, not really a football stadium, not really a baseball stadium. Not really a stadium. Not really a stadium. (laughs) I decided to call my blog Mistake by the Lake. I had no idea that eight years down the road, Mistake by the Lake would still describe the team. I thought I was describing the stadium. I didn't realize it was a team with a curse, a team that really just can't seem to get that spirit, to get that energy, to, like, here we are again, losing in New York. Uh, There is a mathematical possibility still remote that they can make the playoffs. If they win their last two games and Columbus loses the last two games, there might be some tiebreaker that would squeak an undeserving Toronto FC into the playoffs. But realistically, they're done. Sorry to hear that. They're done. They're mathematical or not, uh, they're, they're not going to do it. And as they were doing well when you were attending games, we should have been flying you out to L.A., flying <laughs> you out to New York. You could have saved that team. Now, I don't think anybody could have saved that team. After the nine ten commercial break, we have a special guest, and it's Carrie Fraser. Carrie Fraser is the all-time leader in refereed games and one of the top officials to ever officiate in the NHL. And he will be on. He is not liked by Leaf fans, of course, because of the Gretzky incident, the high stick on Doug Gilmore back in 1993. And Leaf fans still haven't forgotten that. And uh, I'm not sure if we're going to ask that question, but we may. 
Well, but, but Kerry's a good guy. I talked to him the other day, and uh, he's coming on the show after the nine ten break, and we're going to discuss officiating and the abuse of officials in the minor league levels. Like we're talking, we were talking about your sports soccer, and that uh, there's a lot of uh, officials getting abused in that sport. And we're going to talk about that. That's the the, the gear we're going to go into today about uh, officiating. What what are your uh, thoughts on officiating in soccer, Mark? I think that um, it's of course a thankless task. It's 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 a horrible job. I think that the the trend in the sports world has been to go away from personality in officiating, officiating and more to efficiency and. Soccer still has that personality. People will have opinions on the relationship between a certain ref and a certain team. Like, oh my goodness, he's gonna he's gonna throw you know pull out the red card on us the first chance he gets. And I think, although it can boil the blood a little bit, it's part of of the game in which um, there's a personality there, and therefore you have an expectation of how the game's going to go. My and. I think that's also true in the NBA, that, that there's sort of a visibility. But in NHL and NFL, I think it's – and baseball, we were talking. Efficiency takes away from the personality. We'll be right back with Kerry Fraser, the greatest official of all time, I think, in a few minutes. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just $13.99, that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, 
and the largest selection in Ontario, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Alta Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7, striving to inspire you at every turn. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back. We're, uh, we have Kerry Fraser on the line, uh, one of the best referees of all time in the NHL. Naz and Mark are here. Mark is in here for Wally, uh, substituting this week. Kerry, are you there? Naz, I'm uh, sitting here having a coffee in sunny New Jersey. Oh, beautiful. It's sunny here, too. It's about 45 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's probably about the same there, right? Actually, we're, we're over 50 now, so it's, uh, it's going to be a nice day. I may even go sailing. Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. <laughs> Carrie, the NHL season this year starts off with the technology of uh, ref cam. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's a, it's a useful tool uh, in a couple of areas. One, it makes for real good uh, addition to the broadcast feed. Uh, throughout my career and after games, I would bump into fans uh, in uh, restaurants and bars and, you know, I'd be getting the cold, icy stare sometimes, and uh, they'd have a question for me about a call or a missed call that I had in, a, in the game that night. And I'd go over and introduce myself and answer their question. And one question led to another, and I found out what they really wanted to, to know or to be was on the other side of the glass. They wanted a, a closer seat than the one that the ticket got them into the game with. Uh, this uh, ref cam takes the viewer, the fan, directly onto the ice. It gives them the sight line that the referee has on a play. The other advantage that I see, a major advantage, is that it becomes a great teaching tool if it's used properly by the officiating department, especially with young officials that often are puck watchers. They follow the puck too much and not take in the entire play or the lead-up to a play and know what to look for and when. And I think that video cam is going to give them the opportunity to see and develop more awareness of the, the play as it develops before it actually they have to make that call. Kerry, I, I look back in the in you started in nineteen eighty eighty one, I believe. I think I read correct. that somewhere. That's correct, right? And yes, how right. uh the personalities in referees, back then we had Don Koharski, yourself, Bill McCurry, and uh Stewart, Paul Stewart. And it seemed like the referees had character. What's happened to that? Because right now I watch games and the referees, are, the, the personalities are non-existent. What is the difference? Well, the names you mentioned came in, you know, a few years after me, three, four, five years uh, after I started 1980-81 season. Um, you know, the, the uh, uh, older referees when I started... Uh, Andy Van Helmond, uh, there was uh, Wally Harris uh, still working, um, fellows of, you know, considerable experience. Uh, but we didn't, uh, we didn't wear helmets, most of us. Uh, Andy was the first one uh, to wear a helmet and cover up, you know, his head uh, wisely in advance of the rest of us. Uh, but we also had our names on our back. And we were able to develop... Uh, relationships and communicate uh, with players. So your personality, I found, was really important. Uh, 
developing relationships in any business uh, can be the difference between success or failure. Uh, so there was more communication. And the fact that the players knew uh, the, the referees, uh, we weren't all covered up with helmets and visors and a number on our back, uh, it, it cultivated uh, the ability to, one, communicate and develop that relationship. I remember in the later stages of my career, Shane Doan, captain of the Phoenix Coyotes, uh, came to me uh, before the opening puck drop. And he said, Kerry, what's, what's the first name of your referee partner tonight? Of course, we were in the two-referee system. Uh, because he said, I'd like to call him by his first name, but, but I just don't know who he is. And that was often the case. Uh, there was also, uh, it was or discouraged uh, by the uh, hockey operations uh, to uh, go to the benches and, and talk to the coaches. Uh, I often found that uh, if there was a question that uh, came my way, maybe by virtue of uh, the captain. Um, in a lot of times, I would go directly to the coach at the bench and give him an answer because I found uh, over time that if I gave that answer to a captain, it would be misconstrued. Uh, the captain, in his emotional uh, element, uh, may not hear what I said and he may not communicate it exactly as I wanted to. So I would go to the bench and have a conversation. Uh, with the coach, uh, try and bring the temperature down that way. And again, that helps develop relationship and rapport uh, with uh, coaches like Al Harbour and Scotty Bowman uh, and uh, the others of the time. Getting back to uh, your career, um, I love uh, reading about and hearing about uh, the player that chirped the most or uh, whined the most out of any player. <laughs> Uh, or a coach that uh, you felt was always chirping because I see them, these the guys behind the bench and some of them just don't stop talking and uh, to the referees. Who are the two guys, coaching wise and player wise, in the, in those categories? Well, Mark Crawford, uh, as I wrote uh, in my book, The Final Call, which I, I wrote when I uh, retired in two thousand and ten, uh, was a rookie coach in the NHL uh, in nineteen ninety five. Uh, with the Quebec Nordiques, and it was the shortened season. There was a player strike that year. And Crow is an emotional guy, and uh, he was uh, very frustrated towards the end of the season. His team was uh, not doing as well. Peter Forsberg was a rookie player in the NHL. They were actually picked to win the Stanley Cup that year, and I had two games with him towards the end of the season uh, down in Florida. One night in Tampa, they lost by a goal, and the next night uh, in Florida, back-to-back games, uh, his team was playing very undisciplined, taking penalties, and uh, they were going to lose the game uh, in Florida as Peter Forsberg uh, took a, uh, a penalty with uh, just a minute or so uh, left in the game. And Crawford didn't put his players on the ice and uh, wanted me to come over to the bench. Now, that can be the kiss of death because once you put yourself as a referee at the bench, you really have a hard time uh, giving a bench penalty or ejecting a coach. So I knew that I was going to be unloaded on, and, and but in, nonetheless, I, I went to this uh, rookie coach at the bench, and he didn't disappoint me. It was the most profane, foul uh, dialogue uh, that I'd ever received from a coach uh, throughout my entire career. Uh, and I took it, and I stood there, and the veins in my neck started to bulge. <laughs> and I took a breath, and I said, are you finished? And he said, yeah, I'm finished. I said, 
there isn't a player on this bench that believes what you just said. It's not warranted. It's unfair. But I said, you and I are going to save that for another day. I said, right now, I need four players on the ice, and I need them now, please. And I got to tell you, there was sawdust in my mouth. My muscles were twitching from what he had said. It was wicked. And the game ended, and I was still upset about it. I went into the dressing room, and I sat by the door, Ray Scampanello, uh, one linesman, and uh, Greg Dvorsky, the other uh, big linesman, were seated in the dressing room. And all of a sudden, there was a knock on the door. And I opened the door, and there's Mark Crawford. He had his head down. He said, Kerry, can I talk to you? I said, come on in. Invited him to have a beer. He sat down, and he proceeded to say that he wanted to apologize, that I was right, it wasn't my fault, uh, they deserved the penalties, but he just didn't know what to do with his team that were heading south at the very crucial time in the, in the uh, season just before the playoffs. And uh, so that frustration is something that we as referees had to deal with. Now, I accepted his apology. I gave him a tip that I'd learned uh, in watching Al Arbor and the New York Islanders when they won four Stanley Cups with that dynasty team. And it was about discipline and control. And Al Arbor was, to my way of thinking, the most disciplined coach that I'd ever seen behind the bench. So I gave him that message and that tip that I'd seen uh, with a team that was very successful. And I finished by saying, uh, before you leave here, I am going to issue you a career warning. That means that if you ever yell at me again, swear at me from behind the bench, you will immediately get a bench penalty. There will be no, the next time you do it, I'm going to give you a penalty. The warning is issued here and now, and it will last our entire careers together, whichever one of us leave the NHL first. I said, do you accept it? He said, I accept it. We shook hands. Uh, I had the two witnesses of uh, the linesmen that were seated there. Well, it was a year later, and it was this, uh, they had moved to Colorado. They won the Stanley Cup that year. But in Anaheim, about the same time of the season, towards the end, at late stage of the game, I called an obvious penalty against Colorado Avalanche. And I heard, as I was 85 feet away, going to assess the penalty, I heard Crow's unmistakably squeaky voice holler at me in a loud voice, carry what the he got the F out, and that was it. I turned around, and I banged him with a bench penalty. He dropped his head and just walked behind the bench. Now, Claude Lemieux was a player uh, that had, had, uh, was playing for Colorado, and he came to me, and he said, Gary, just give us one penalty. Don't give us two penalties. Look at the score and the time. I said, you go tell Crow, Florida. Now, we're in Anaheim. It really confused Claude Lemieux. He said, Florida, what are you talking about? We're in Anaheim. I said, you just go say Florida, and he'll get the message. And that's exactly what happened. From that point forward, if I heard Mark Crawford get a little vocal behind the bench, I just had to look at him, and he remembered Florida. Amazing story. Kerry, um, uh, I have a, a quick question for you. When, when I mention your name to hockey fans, um, before they even mention your ref style, they recall your hairstyle. So I've been <laughs> dared to ask, uh, how's your hair doing? And have you ever been approached for a, a hairstyle product endorsement? Because that seems to be a, a goldmine. Well, you know, that would be an automatic. It's the national treasure that uh, Bill Daly, uh, the, the uh, deputy commissioner of the NHL, covered up in my, my final collective bargaining agreement negotiation. <laughs> uh, 
but the hair is great. I've never had a bad hair day. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had uh, each time I, I did a Stanley Cup final, the, the kids would alternate uh, coming to games. We have seven children, and I did a dozen uh, Stanley Cup finals. And uh, one year, the uh, Jersey Devils were in the finals, and I took my son Ryan, uh, who uh, is a referee in the American Hockey League now, as well as a uh, Jersey Transit uh, police sergeant. Um, and uh, we had the afternoon nap before the game. We got up from the sleep, uh, and his hair, he had bed head all over the place, and he looked at mine and he said, Dad, your hair, you don't have a hair out of place. He said, what do you do, sleep in a mold? <laughs> that's uh, exactly when I get up in the morning. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I don't even have to touch it. It just uh, goes in place. The uh, hair product that I used throughout my career and found uh, worked really well was uh, Paul Mitchell Freeze and Shine. And uh, I did a playoff game in Buffalo uh, in the old odd uh, one night. And as I'm walking out of our dressing room, the fans were allowed to be in the area. It was a very public uh, area, uh, the dressing room uh, areas. And uh, this lady said uh, very aggressively, she said, Carrie, I need to talk to you. Now, the Sabres lost one nothing that night. I didn't think there was anything that was, uh, was missed or uh, controversial. And I set my referee bag down, and I said, yes, ma'am, what can I do for you? And she said, I've got real problem hair, and I want to know what your product is because your hair never moves. I told her, Paul Mitchell, Freeze and Shines. He said, thank you very much. I'm going to go out and buy a case of it. That, that's pretty good. Um, as, we're in Toronto, and I hate to ask this question because it's asked. you've been asked probably 10,000 times, maybe more. Ask away. Wayne Gretzky, Doug Gilmore, 1993. Yeah. Uh, you've been quoted as saying you missed the call, right? right. Is uh, Absolutely. And can you describe to the audience that incident? Sure. Uh, now, let me preface that by saying the helmet cam, and I, and I wrote this in my Come On Ref article uh, the other day when the question was asked about the helmet cam. While it can uh, show that the referee's head might be looking in a certain direction, it doesn't necessarily... It's not necessarily, it doesn't at all uh, give you an indication as to what the referee's uh, visual focus is on a play. It's a wide camera shot, head is looking, appears to be looking in a certain direction, but the eyes might be looking at something else. Example, you go to the, the net on a scramble and you take a narrow focus. You're looking at a broad play from a distance, you may have a wide perspective of, uh, of vision. Uh, on that particular play, we had the end zone face-off, and uh, uh, the Leafs were uh, uh, killing a penalty uh, at the time. On the face-off, Gilmore against Gretzky, uh, the puck was won by Gretzky. There was a shot taken by Gretz. Uh, Jamie McCowan blocked the shot, and the puck immediately went back to the same location where Gilmore and Gretzky were standing. Now, I believe at the time, and trying to, uh, to recall, that my vision was blocked, it was impeded. There was player movement uh, going to the puck and, and uh, movement from the face-off. Um, I caught a glimpse of a move by Gretzky with his stick, and my first impression was that he was trying to shoot the puck that had come back off Jamie McCowan's shin pad and Gilmore was bent over a little bit and the next thing I know Gilmore was touching his chin uh, blood appeared 
the play stopped, and I went immediately to Doug Gilmore, and I said, what happened? He said, Wayne took a shot, and the follow-through of his shot caught me in the chin. And I said, well, if that's the case, that's not a penalty. Doug Gilmore was fine with that. But something just didn't sit right. Other players came to me. Wayne Gretzky, who often would be the first one there to plead his case or want to know as the captain what was going on, he had sort of slunk off to the sideboards uh, up high towards the blue line and was avoiding any kind of dialogue on the play. I immediately grabbed both linesmen. Kevin Collins had, had uh, conducted the faceoff and dropped the puck, and Ron Finn, the other linesman, was on the same side of the ice at the blue line as I was on uh, the goal line. We conferred. We shoot all the players away, conferred in the corner, and I said, guys, help me out. I didn't see it. Ron Finn said, Gary, I couldn't help you. I had looking through players' backs. I have no idea what happened. Kevin Collins was a little iffy about it. He said, well, I, I, I'm not really sure, uh, but uh, if it did happen, Doug Gilmore was bent over, and I don't believe it would be a high stick if he did get uh, clipped. Uh, it was would have been a sheer guess uh, on our part, and there was no way that I was going to make a guess based on that information, one, that I didn't see it, and two, that Kevin Collins really wasn't sure as to how it happened or if it happened. Uh, so we had to eat that play, and uh, as uh, bad luck would have it, uh, Gretzky scored uh, off the uh, ensuing face-off, uh, the winner, in overtime, and uh, they went back to Toronto for Game 7. Gretz had the best game of his career, he said, uh, in the, uh, the victory uh, for the Kings and uh, moved them on against the Montreal Canadiens into the finals. Kerry, K- uh, uh, to the audience, we have uh, Kerry Fraser here on our show, the Naz and Wally show. Um, I'm involved with minor hockey a bit. I've watched a lot of games, and uh, my kids are now growing up, and one of them is coaching now, so I'm watching it from a different perspective. And I'm looking at the abuse of officials at the minor hockey level. And uh, you ref through the Ontario Minor Hockey Association. I guess that's where you started in Sarnia? And Actually, no, I didn't. I oh. played uh, in the uh, OMHA yeah. and then played junior hockey and finished uh, as captain of the Sarnia Bees in the Southern Ontario Junior A Hockey League. Um, I was uh, undrafted. I was a good little player. Uh, you know, the that year, uh, uh, Mark Howell was playing for the Detroit Junior Red Wings, and uh, there were others that uh, on our team that uh, went on to play in the NHL. Uh, but uh, I had options to uh, go to U.S. Uh, uh, Division One colleges on scholarship. That didn't appeal to me. I was thinking of playing in the minor pro leagues, uh, and uh, on the recommendation of a family friend, Ted Garvin, who went on to coach the Detroit Red Wings, mm-hmm. uh, he suggested I get into officiating, that uh, the game needed uh, officials, that uh, referees that had played to at least uh, the junior level understood the game. and, and uh, So I went to referee school, was scouted at that school uh, in August, and uh, two days later, uh, I was invited to the NHL training camp for wow. officials, and they put me into the uh, American Hockey League. There were players, John Van Boxmeer was the first pick of uh, the Montreal Canadiens. I, I had played against him the year before. So I was seeing players that I played against. We were taking different paths. They were pursuing their skill level as players, and, and I was now uh, infused uh, 
into uh, officiating. Uh, the next season, the NHL signed me to a contract as a referee and put, plugged me into their system in the uh, minor pro leagues to referee. So it was really, for me, um, uh, baptism under fire. Uh, I really had to uh, analyze. I'm, I have an analytical mind, and, and I would uh, you know, digest each game and, and replay it in my mind as to uh, whether there were things I could do better. And, and uh, I certainly learn some things about myself and my, my personality that I needed to change from being a player, uh, tough little player, uh, stood up, you know, dropped the gloves. Uh, but uh, now as a referee, uh, I had to uh, be part of the solution and not part of the problem. So there was a big learning curve for me. What kind of advice would you give a young referee who's going through the minor system? Uh, I know that uh, they're taking a lot of abuse out there, the officials, and uh, what kind of advice you give to the young referees who are trying to make a career out of it? Well, you know, I have grandsons playing uh, down here in, in South New Jersey, and I'm in Broad Street, Bully, Philadelphia Flyer territory. Uh, some of the parents uh, really uh, get unraveled, uh, you know, the... Uh, there, there is a need uh, in minor hockey uh, for parents to understand that they're the biggest role models that their children have, and to see them screaming and yelling at the referees, even even coaches uh, that uh, are uh, yelling at uh, young referees, uh, it, it sends a wrong message for sure, uh, and that needs to be tempered. But for a referee to answer your question, he has to understand, first of all, the role within the game. He has to develop confidence. Uh, he has to be technically sound, and you've got to understand that that most of the time, at least fifty percent of the time, fifty percent of the people viewing it are not going to agree with your call, uh, even if it's the right one. Uh, so that understanding helps. Uh, you have to also develop self confidence, which can be often difficult when you're standing and having the fans boo or throw things at you. Uh, some nights, uh, one night in particular in the old Chicago Stadium, I had 20,000 people when I ejected Orville Tessier, the coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, just before he was fired, uh, ejected him from the game, and people threw everything that wasn't nailed down. I had seats coming out of the first row. Oh, my God. Uh, popcorn boxes, you name it, beer. I, I stood under the big clock uh, at center ice when that uh, goals were scored. The big horn went off in the Chicago Stadium. Uh, that was the safest place for me to stand with all this debris coming onto the ice. So you stand tall, as tall as you can, uh, and uh, you know, try not to be confrontational in your actions, your body language, the way that you communicate uh, with officials. I learned for me very early that uh, I wanted to bring the temperature down during a confrontation, whether it was with a player or a coach, and not elevate my emotions to the level of emotions and out of control, perhaps, that the person on the other side was demonstrating. Kerry, we're running out of time. Thank you very much for the interview. What a tremendous, uh, tremendous insight on, on refereeing and all the stories you had. That was fantastic, and thanks for coming on the air today. As and Mark, my pleasure, and uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. Let's go to commercial break. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when my wife accused me of having an affair. How could I tell her that I was hopelessly in love with extra thin crust pizza from Pizzaville? I didn't ask for this to happen. It was so thin, so delicate, so delicious. I can't bear to share it with my wife. 
She wants me to see a counsellor, but I don't want to share it with him either. Call Pizzaville for an extra thin crust pizza at 736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back. And we have on the air my co-host, Wally Rigabon. Wally, are you there? I'm there, Naz. Good morning, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and Mark and all our listeners. I uh, hope everybody has a fantastic Thanksgiving Day weekend. And I want to compliment you and Mark on a, on a great interview with Carrie Fraser. You really were some really, really great questions there, guys. And uh, interesting uh, doing, this, doing the show from this side and not being in studio. And I, uh, I was thoroughly entertained by, uh, by the interview. And the great questions. Uh, I love the one Mark made about the hair. Uh, that was a classic. That was a good one. And uh, really, some really important questions at the end of the interview uh, and really important issues that you raised, Naz, about abuse of officials in, in minor hockey. And I, I thought Kerry uh, uh, handled that extremely well. That Those are really, really good questions and really important questions that uh, hopefully the, the parents of... Uh, of minor hockey players out there who are listening to the show, hopefully they take some of those comments to heart. Um, because uh, I, you know, Naz, you spent a lot of time in uh, in hockey arenas. I coached my son uh, minor hockey for ten years, and you know, we've both seen what goes on in minor hockey arenas, and and uh, 
there's a lot of education that has to be done with parents. And uh, like I said, really, really important questions, uh, well done and, and well answered. Uh, uh, really interesting listening to uh, at this end, believe me. Mark, as uh, his involvement with soccer, Mark, what kind of uh, situations have refs gone gotten into in uh, in the game of soccer? Well, I have friends who who have who have refed, and and they tell um, horror stories of of having to um, flee uh, soccer fields and get to the car quickly and 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 drive away. Um, it, I think it's it's. Um, it, it's frightening, and uh, it's it's a real concern for the Ontario Soccer Association. Um, but uh, personally, I haven't seen anything um, uh, of of a, of a scary nature. Um, I did want to mention, thank you, Wally, for the compliment. But you realize that um, that we're on the air. You you usually argue with me on the air. That, come on, we got to think of something to <laughs> well, argue hold on. about. We're going to argue. Don't worry. I mean, I've got I got I've got about uh, five to ten minutes before I have to board. Uh, I have to board the plane, so I'm, I will get we'll get into a TFC discussion. Uh, um, just I just want uh, listeners. Uh, 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 I'm on my way to Chicago, and. Um, Hopefully, when I'm, I may call Stan Bowman when I'm down there and see if I can bring Taze or, or Kane back with me because, uh, and this is something we have to talk about, Naz, Leafs are Owen too. Yeah, the uh, things, old things uh, Owen. Things, I, didn't, I wasn't able to watch the game last night, and I said another way, um, but I've read the reports on it, watched the highlights, and uh, uh, Leafs have gotten off to a, a bleak start. And... Um, they could they could very well go down. I mean, they got a tough game against the Rangers tonight in, at MSG. They could very well be like zero and four and zero and five, and um, they better right the ship uh, very quickly. Uh, the season season could be lost in the first ten games. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though, Wally. Um, I understand your concern because the NHL has shrunk down to an eighteen game schedule, and therefore the first two games are incredibly important. <laughs> Well, as, as you know, they say the point a point in October is just as important as a point in March, and certainly that point they gave away Wednesday night in the last minute of the game. Yeah, when everybody knows that you're in a dogfight um, trying to make the top eight, and in the last week of the season, like last year, there's going to be about four or five teams that are that are scrounging for that playoff berth, and uh, you know what? You, you just can't afford to give away points like they gave away against Montreal. I mean, it was unfortunate, and you know, it's an unfortunate uh, ricochet off a skate. You can't, you can't stop those things. But um, you know, they they just didn't look sharp. They didn't look sharp. They didn't look sharp last night, and um, and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, TFC and Toronto Maple Leafs have something in common concerning their coaches. There's talk that uh, FC got rid of their coach and shouldn't have. And that the Leafs kept their coach and should have got rid of them. What do you think of that? Well, I'll let Mark comment first from the TFC perspective, and then I'll I'll, uh, I'll throw my two cents worth in on Randy Carlyle. Go ahead, Mark. I I think it I think it was a flip the coin situation. I I don't think that it um, it moved the team in the right direction. But staying with Ryan Nelson was not working either. Um, I was concerned with the quality of the team. Back in March and April, when they were when they were losing home games that they should have been winning, they they just did not have that spirit, that energy. It didn't seem to be gelling as a team. But uh, I, 
with the Leafs, you know, I, I can't I, comment. I, just, I, I don't like what happened to TFC. They just they and, and you know and and we made the point made the point a few shows back. That, I mean, it's just been a horrendous year, just a horrendous year for Toronto sports franchises. Uh, I mean, the Leafs were a lock for the playoffs and they blew it. The the Blue Jays were in first place after May and their season fell apart. TFC was well on the road uh, to to a playoff spot. Then you know the nonsense with Defoe, Lewicki, and you know the way this TFC season ended up. It, I mean it's not over yet, but you know I'm a, I'm a mathematician. I you know you know it, it's just it's just demoralizing what what happens to to the Toronto franchise at massive. Like, has this not been the worst year for Toronto sports franchises in history? Other than the Raptors, everything else has fallen apart for sure. Uh, the Raptors seem to me like they're on on the right track, but who knows, right? With the Toronto sports teams, anything can happen. Randy Carlisle. Let's talk about Randy Carlisle here. Well, you said uh, you Randy, had an opinion. Yeah, I sure do. Um, up, up early this morning, checking out Bleacher Report. Uh, it's got the top ten coaches who are on a short leash guess who's number one on the list randy carlisle um um i don't the leafs will have to i mean it's only two games and i and i don't want to get carried away with it i mean let's 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 reevaluate the situation after 10 15 let's say after 15 games and see where they are there you know um you know two games i'm, I'm not i'm not going to jump i'm not going to jump in the water after two games uh, after 15 games, if the Leafs are are not headed in the right direction, if there isn't a change in the way they're playing, if the new assistant coaches haven't changed the direction of the team, apparently the camera, which which player was quoted, either Kessel or Kadri was quoted as saying, well, we, we've got a new system we're implementing. Well, if anybody has seen that new system in the first two games, uh, you know, please let me know. But if, it, if there is a new system, we'll give it a chance. 15 games, if... Uh, if the Leafs are headed uh, headed down the sink, I, I I don't think there's any question they've got they've got to think about uh, changing direction with the, with the guy behind the bench. Did you, um, you uh, Wally? Did you hear uh, Don Cherry between the first and second period? You know, unfortunately, last night, Naz, I, I couldn't um, I couldn't watch. I said I was at a wed as a family wedding last night, and I'm going to another one in Chicago today, so I didn't see it. So tell me. Uh, well, he went on, on to that. he went on to talk about the Leafs and why they have not been successful and not drafting OHL players. Well, I uh, make you know what, uh, Nazan, you you both agree, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell the listeners uh, the 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 text message you sent me at eleven o'clock last night. Naz Naz was a very astute hockey man. Sent me a text message saying, "Watch out for Mike Fuda as the next potential general manager." Of the um, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and uh, we had Mike Food on our show back at the uh, at the end of uh, at the end of uh, June, just after they won the Stanley Cup. And Toronto, Mike Food is a Toronto boy. Uh, you know, you and I both know him. Yeah. And I raised the question. I asked him a question. What what I I, I read off about fourteen names, and I asked Mike Fuda, what's 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 common about these names? And he thought about it for a second, a couple of seconds, and it finally came to him. The Los Angeles Kings have 14 OHL players on their team. And uh, getting back to you're about to make that point, Naz, you know, maybe that's what the Leafs Leafs lack. And they need a guy like Mike Fuda to take the uh, player selection and 
player quality and player uh, development in a different direction. Yeah, Cherry brought Cherry Don Cherry brought his name up a couple of times. Him and Ron McLean brought it up. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing: the only guys they haven't changed from the organization from last year is Randy Carlisle and Dave Nonis. So, we talked about culture, and I said last week that uh, Brendan Shanahan is going to get different people in there, and those are the only two spots left that they need but to he change. Didn't, he didn't. He didn't change the two most important people who determine the direction and policy of the team: the coach. And the general manager, he, you know, he changed all the peripheral parts. Um, but I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna panic just yet, Naz. I mean, it's only, it's only two games. You know, hopefully they come out with a better effort tonight. And I mean, we look back, uh, you know, the right now they need Bernier to steal a game. Yeah, Bernier uh, hasn't played well, but you know yeah. what? Sidney Crosby last night was absolutely flying. Uh, yeah. He was in mid-season form. He was that good. And it looks to me like they're relaxed with the new coach behind the bench. They're laughing on the bench, and they're not uptight, and they're playing really well. They have a lot of talent. And, you know, Fleury played well in net, too, last night. So Pittsburgh looks like they're on the march. Now, yeah, I, want to get, I want to get back to FC because uh, this is uh, Mark's wheelhouse here. And uh, what do they do, Mark? Uh, how do they fix this? Because I know Defoe's gone in January. It looks it looks to me like he's gone. Oh, did he play last night? Well, no. As the transfer, the transfer. Uh, no, I'll ask. Oh, you, did I'll he ask play? The really? Again. Did he play? Did, uh, I, he was in a uniform and he was on the field. But I think that uh, his brain was um, South London, North London, East London. He he he. He probably had more effect on on the hockey team last night than the soccer team because uh, maybe you know maybe he was listening to the Leafs maybe he had an earpiece on I'm not sure. Mark, here's the bottom line with Default, and um, he was gone from the team for what six six seven weeks? Yeah, something like six, that. Seven weeks. And, you know, he picked up, took off, went to England. You know, got some therapy over there, got a second opinion, and. And um, just decided to stay there in the middle of the most important stretch run in TFC history, and their 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 prize player, their their drawing card, their poster boy isn't here. You know, if I'm a teammate of that guy, if I'm a teammate of that guy, I don't know. I mean, how, how do you develop teamwork? How do you develop a team spirit? How, how, how does a team move forward as a team? When your star attraction isn't part of your team, for he's not even he's not even lending moral support. He's basically a paid mercenary. That's what he is. And, and I, you know what? If you want to win in a team sport, it isn't about one guy. It's about teammates working together in a common purpose. You you took your drawing card out of the lineup, gone for for seven weeks. To me, that that in the Lewicki. Uh, thing just destroyed, just destroyed a promising season. Just destroyed it. Demoralizing, really, it is. I guess I want to pull in though that observation that you have about hockey with Don Cherry. I think the secret is more than just birthplace. If you replaced Jermaine Defoe with a young Canadian who had all of the the love of his of his province and love of his community. That in itself is not the the secret ingredient, well, and, and you know the bottom line. You got to have talent. Exactly. I mean, you know, and and Defoe's talent. The question, and he was a difference maker 
he was a difference maker the first half of the season. And no I question. think, and I think you need a leadership that's going to make a demand on the players that is apart from what the fans say. But and, let, let, let me let me tell you, Mark, my concern for TFC um, with Lewicki gone is, who, and, and they haven't replaced him yet. Is nobody's going to come in with the vision that he has? I mean, he came in blue. Uh, spend a hundred million dollars on two players. Thinks big, thinks big, and and it worked for a certain period of time. And that that this would have been a building block. Next year would have been better if Lewicki had stayed and Defoe had a had a, had a made the commitment here. We could have we could have added some more parts. You know, the team was headed in the right direction. But you know, it seems like we we took a step forward and now we've gone back to where we were. I like, think, and, and you don't have the you don't have the guy at the helm, Lewicki who, to me, has a vision of, uh, and he, you know, he did, he's a soccer guy. I mean, he showed an interest in with the LA Galaxy down in, uh, down in L.A. Um, thinks big. I think with him gone, not knowing who's coming in, I think TFC, uh, I cross my fingers for next year. I just don't think they're headed in the right direction. And I th- it's a shame. It's a real shame. I think, though, that clearly, even if Lewicki is a soccer guy, he wasn't enough of a soccer guy. These last two Toronto FC games were on air at the same time as the first two Maple Leaf games. This is that yeah. it, it's a, it's a recipe for obscurity. Um, yeah. So if if the next guy is even more obscure when it comes to soccer, um, the the trend has already been established. And, I, and we and yeah, and I agree with you, Mark. Uh, we've been talking about coaches, TFC and uh, Leafs and Carlisle, and you know, and going back to Carlisle. Uh, I don't know if you noticed uh, 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 the reports again that Mike. The latest report out of Detroit now is that is that uh, that Mike Babcock might be a little bit disenchanted with uh, with Red Wing management. So uh, if, if he's on the Bleacher Report as number ten uh, coach to keep an eye on, um, interesting the way things are developing. If if Detroit uh, doesn't get off in the right direction and uh, Babcock and management over there see something uh, take that team in a different direction and the Leafs are in the toilet, who knows what might happen. As we talked about it last spring, Babcock behind the bench at the ACC. It's, uh, we, uh, we predicted it way back, uh, way back in April of last year. You never know. Yeah. I have a hunch that if we could clone Dwayne Casey – and put him behind the hockey bench and on the soccer team's bench, we would have success. Anyways, gentlemen, uh, my wife is uh, looking at me with her arms crossed, mm-hmm. and they're calling me to board this plane. So uh, I wish, uh, I'll, uh, wish my listeners again a uh, happy Thanksgiving and all the best to you guys and the staff. And uh, great show, guys. It was really, really, uh, really interesting listening to that Carrie Fraser interview and some great questions that you asked. Uh, talk to you again early uh, Real soon. Got to run, guys. Thanks, Wally. Bye. Thanks for my friend. We get to uh, we get to the situation with Wally. He gets uh, when it comes to FC and the big names. That brings something up about Toronto FC. Have when you talked about Canadians and you talked about it, it doesn't matter where they come from as long as they have talent, which is true, Mark. Have Toronto FC developed their Canadian talent? Because I'm told from people in the know that uh, they haven't developed a Canadian talent. And there's, from my, my understanding, at the youth soccer level in Canada, the youth soccer level is awesome. There are some great Canadian or great Canadian players playing. 
Have they developed the Canadians? I don't think so. They've got a few. They've got a, a young man by the name of Jordan Hamilton that they signed to a contract in the spring. Um, he, I saw him play against Tottenham Hotspur this summer, and he's now in Portugal. They've put him on, uh, I think, a second division Portugal, uh, Portuguese team. And he is uh, a forward, and he's got talent, and clearly they're bringing him along the right way by giving him um, European uh, experience. Here, the, the academy team just recently won the Ontario Cup, I believe, and their final game, I think they won 10-0, which shows you that They've got talent there, but what kind of opposition are these guys playing against? If, if, if you are steamrolling out through Ontario and not, not really um, having a challenge, then you're not really going to be prepared for the next step up. There's uh, Daniil Henry um, is on, on the squad and is also a Canadian national player. Um, there are a few, and Kyle Becker played last night. But um, they certainly don't build the team around the Canadians. The Canadians tend to be afterthoughts. Um, perhaps in the next couple of years, some, some of these young names are going to come forward. The question right now, of course, is all of this money on, with Michael Bradley, if Michael Bradley is going to stay, you can't build the team around the Canadians. You've got to bring the Canadians to work around Michael Bradley. Um, but, yeah, I hear that, that Toronto FC um, – well, Naz, you can talk to the relationship between Toronto FC and, and the Toronto Lynx, that, mm -hmm. it, that it was not a good relationship, that this was an existing uh, – uh, I forget which level they were playing at. Um, they've, they've dropped levels. USL. Since, yeah. They, they've dropped levels now to a development level, right? Right. Um, but there was no relationship there um, built, and um, Toronto FC hasn't built bridges to the existing teams in Ontario – and um, you can you can tell there's not there's not the next generations coming in. Now none of the other teams. Uh, I think maybe Vancouver is probably developing the most Canadians out of, out, of, out of the group. Montreal definitely isn't, and Toronto is a little bit, but not as much. It's it's early days, and and the MLS has put in rules to tr to encourage these academies, to encourage the teams to to develop youth. Um, but it's going to take. It's going to take some time, and we know Canada internationally is not doing well. So, you know, one hand washes the other. If 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 the Canadian team can improve, then perhaps the the pro teams will will have contributed to that. Looking back at the officiating, we're going to wrap up here. We got another minute. Uh, Kerry Fraser pointed out uh, on the abuse of officials and uh, the referees today having a very difficult time especially with people from the crowd, and he was trying to get at the actual people watching the game to slow down on the referees. What do we do with that, uh, Mark? I think it's, it's perspective. I think if parents – in my personal experience, I was a coach who would needle refs until I took the step forward and became a ref myself and absolutely hated the job, realized how – difficult it was and now I've gone back to, to soccer coaching and I do it with far more respect and understanding for refs. If there was maybe this ref cam in hockey is going to help parents and coaches see that it is a human being trying to do a very, very difficult job making 
one instant decision after another. And, um, yeah, maybe technology is going to help out. Well, it's come to the end of the show. Thanks very much for listening in, folks. We'll see you next week. I'll be in Birmingham, Alabama to watch Alabama play Texas A&M next week. So I'll be calling in from Alabama. Everybody, have a good week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.